Well, I am so excited to share with you guys today and love this family, love, I, I know so many of you all so well and a few new faces, but I'm just so thankful you're here today and um, I <clears throat> all month had to kind of hold back this this part of the teaching on joy. This is my favorite part. It's the part where I um, have definitely been most impacted and feel just a pile of words bubbling in me, and I'm eager to just let them out and sit wherever they need to sit in your heart as God directs traffic on all of that. Um, <clears throat> but what Sue just shared with the children is exactly right, much easier said than done. And those of us here who've walked with Jesus for a while, we know that to be true. Others of you who are just checking out this idea of God and you're still on a journey of belief, I just want to tell you what you're going to hear today is, is the whole thing. It, it's, it's the whole thing. Genesis to Revelation kind of all captured in, if you could kind of capture it in a verse, it's, it's this idea of how to remain. And that's what Jesus wanted. It's what God wanted in the very beginning when he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden is he wanted to stay. He wanted to remain. He wanted to be friends always. Intimacy is what God has been after from the very beginning. It's where it all started. It's where it's all going to end. And in the middle, we have earth and gravity and stuff that we have to deal with that challenges that. But this invitation that Jesus gave on the last night of his life in John 15 to remain with him is the secret of all of it. You can turn left and right and up and down and inside it, and it will never get away from that one invitation from Jesus. Do this with me. Stay with me. Remain with me. I want relationship, and I want intimacy. And that's what this is all about. Um, just in quick review, the first week we talked about what joy is, and I said I... Gave you a, another word, a couple words for it. If you could substitute the word joy for God desire, then maybe it would help it make sense because joy is not a personality trait that some people are blessed with and some people aren't. It's not a circumstantial thing. It's not happy. We've been saying that over and over and over again this month. And I hope and pray, those of you who've journeyed with us, that it's starting to really take root and understand that joy is something you can't have outside of God. I think you can kind of smell it. You can hear a little whisper of it, but you can't know it until you know God because it's tied to the God story of the gospel. And it's the thing that says life is coming. Life is coming. Life is coming. It's the fact that resurrection follows death. And so no matter what you're in, if you know the gospel and you know Jesus, you can have joy in it because you know that life is coming. In the second week, I talked about things called joy stealers, but I wanted to change them to become joy makers because those things in our heart, those sorrows only stretch out our heart to make more room for joy. And I talked about a door of fire and that I've never had one time in my life when suffering introduced itself to me, whether it didn't matter what reason or circumstance it came to me, when I saw suffering, I've never once been excited about it. Because it's hard and I know it's going to burn me. But through the years, the Lord has taught me how to remain with him and walk through that door of fire, that suffering, by this posture. And this posture right here, I mean, it it is the posture of your kingdom come, your will be done. Let earth look like heaven in this moment. That's what it is. And we it's hard for us. We're real vulnerable in the position. We're not protecting ourselves. We're real wide open. But we talked about how this posture says lots of things. We said if, you, if you're a little child, it's saying, hold me. If you're in pressure or uh, under attack, you're saying, I surrender. It's an I praise you posture. It's a victory posture. It says a whole lot of things all at once. You can multitask in this posture. 
And there's lots of times I'm going to talk about today where this is the posture that I've run to. This is how we go through and remain in joy and remain with God, kind of where earth is connecting to heaven, reaching up. And God can get his will done in that in those moments. Um, yeah, so that's where we've been. Uh, John, John, uh, 15, 9 and 11, 9 and 11, those two verses kind of have been the summary of this whole, uh, month for me. And it's where Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And then he says, I've told you this, telling you the secret so that your joy will be complete and that my joy will be in you. And I say it again, I have told you this so that my God desire might be in you and that your God desire may be complete. He's giving you the whisper, the, the, the truth kind of behind the scenes of how you're going to negotiate earth, how you're going to stay with Jesus. And then he goes on at the end of the passage to say, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. You're my friends. Let's do this together. And uh, that is the secret to joy. Um, I want to tell you guys today a bit of my story on this. And uh, like Paul, he said, not that I have already obtained all this in Philippians or have already made perfect, been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Let me just tell you, I feel I understand what he's saying when he's saying, not that I've already got this, but I'm telling you where I'm going. And that's where I am today. When I very first started wrestling with this idea of how to remain, the conscience practice of remaining in the presence of Christ was around 2002. So it's been about 12 years of this practice. And I have so much more to learn, but I have learned a few things. And it's those things that I'm going to share with you. Some of this will be review. Because I've shared it before, and if you hear me in the future, you'll hear me share it again, because it's an Ebenezer moment for me. It's a moment where I altered my life, and I talk, and I will um, have talked about it and will continue to talk about it, because it was so big for me. The moment that I really began to learn this practice of staying was in kind of a big thing. And life is made up of big things and little things. Big things, you know, disease and, and death and failure and mourning and loss. Those are kind of big things. And I was in the middle of a big thing, a whole pile of big things. And, uh, we had, we had endured a whole lot of loss and so much loss that I had to sit down one day with a notebook and write down there was like 19 things because there was so much I was mourning. I, I couldn't, I couldn't mourn it all properly because I couldn't even remember what all I was mourning. There was just, so much had come crowding down, and I wrote it all down. And uh, I don't know if this is lit enough back here. I guess you guys can see me. But this was my practice, and this is something I've shared with Highland before, but it really was like this. I, would, I was hurting so much and going through my day that I started my day in quiet time, like, you know, hidden at the cross, right? Like hiding myself with Jesus and, and reading my verses and praying and seeking his face. And then I would close my Bible and I would go into my day and start to work. But it would be maybe an hour or two and the waves of mourning would come over me so heavy and so hard I couldn't bear it and I would run back to the secret place and I'd open up my Bible again and I would journal again and I would pray and I would seek his face 
and ask for strength, get the strength, and I'd walk into my day. And then another two or three hours would go by, maybe one or two o'clock in the afternoon, and I was hurting so bad again, facing all this trial and difficulty in the morning that I was like, oh, I can't do it. And I'd run back to the secret place, literally and physically. This is what it looked like in my house. And out would come my Bible and my journal and my prayer stuff, and I would do it all with Jesus, and then I would rock back into my day, and so it went back and forth until bedtime. And the next day would start the same way. I would seek him in the morning. And at this point in my journey, I had the practice of seeking God first thing in the morning since I was 16 years old. So I'm in my 30s now. So that practice is established. That discipline is set. I have that time set aside where I meet with him. And I'm in it. But I'm finding as I'm journeying into my day that I, I, I'm two hours in and I, I'm back and I'm like, Jesus, I can't. I can't do this. And so I'm running into his presence and running into my day and running into his presence and running into my day and running into his presence. And there was one moment when I was sitting in his presence, seeking his face, asking for the strength. And I shut my Bible and started to leave where I heard his voice so strongly and so clearly say, stay. Stay. Just, just stay. And I was like, well, how, okay. I would like that. I like it here better than anywhere. How do I do all that here? And that's when John 15 smacked me in the face. How do you do all that here? How do you stay? How do you remain here while you're there? I have told you this. So that my God desire may be in you and that your God desire may be complete. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. Don't do that without me. Do that with me. Together. I could talk for weeks about the analogy of what this looks like. But it's intimate. And it's a dance. And it's a keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you it was extremely awkward when it began. A few little pile of stories once I decided I was going to really do it. I was cleaning the bathtub, and it was when a big wave hit me of anger. I was mad at how things had gone in our journey. I did not like the suffering that we were enduring, and I was cleaning the bathtub, and I felt the wave come over me. I felt the suggestion come to be mad at God, to shut him out, to do this without him. But I had made that promise. I wasn't going to do that. And I literally dropped the cleaning supplies out of my hands, ran downstairs to our piano, and began to worship. And it was a new song that fell out of me. It was a vow. It was this I will not forget you with every step I take. I am determined. I will worship you. I'll put my hands in the air. I'll lift my face to the sky and I'll sing, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, I adore your ways. Oh, Jesus, I will follow you all my days. It was a pledge. It was a vow. It was a song that came out of the deepest place of my heart. I will 
not forget you. With every step I take, I am determined I will worship you. I'll put my hands in the air. I'll lift my face to the sky and I'll sing, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I adore your ways that are not mine. Jesus, I will follow you all my days. And so began this awkward practice of learning to stay and remain and do it all with him, not without him. Next little moment that I distinctly remember, I was in the kitchen and Ellick was um, just learning to walk and I was trying to unload the dishwasher and I had the stereo on, kids had just gone to school and I was worshiping. I was singing my little heart out and I was doing this practice of doing all of life with God. I'm going to do the dishes with Jesus. And so I'm unloading the dishwasher and reloading and doing all that. And Ellick kept trying to climb in the dishwasher and I'd tell him no and sit his little bottom down and, and I'd sing, keep singing my little songs and tell him he'd put his hand in. I said no and set him down and I was singing my little worship to Jesus and I just remember I got really mad because he didn't, he did it again like for the 15th time. I said no, I said no and I set him down turn off the music, and then I was like, oh, I didn't do that with Jesus. And I remember thinking, no, I can't turn the radio, I can't turn the worship music back on now, I'm disqualified. (laughs) Because I lost my temper. Jesus will surely not have me now. Can't be his friend now. And then this little debate with the Holy Spirit begins. No, you can still come back. You can still, no, I, I, I blew it. I lost my temper with my bed. No, you really can. No, I really love. No, I, 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 I need to punish myself because I was bad. And uh, I turned the music back on. Lord finally won. And literally, I'll never forget it. The first words that came out of the worship song were, come just as you are and worship. And I'll never forget it. One of the big first lessons of learning to do all of life with Jesus was to bring this into worship, this mess, this loss of temper to Jesus and do it with him. You want this too. Come just as you are and worship. You're never going to get this right. You're never going to be perfect. Bring me into that too. Wow. With such an overwhelming invitation. Talk about joy. That Jesus wanted even the messy parts of me. That was such an awesome memory. I remember when one day, when just ordinary moments, when I was uh, unloading the groceries. This is when we were living in Buffalo, New York, and uh, it was ridiculously cold outside. And I think there was like ten feet of snow on the ground. I don't remember. It was ridiculous. And and I was all cold and bundled and, and bringing in the groceries. And when I shop, I shop for like, you know, two weeks. So that it's filled. There's a thousand trips, you know, in and out of the house. And once again, me and Alec, he's my little buddy. All the kids were at school and Shannon was gone. And it was me unloading the groceries. And I got the complaining and the whining on me. I don't want to do this. I can't even believe I have to do this all by myself. And I just don't want to do this. It's cold and I'm tired and the baby's this and that. And I got it all on me. And then the Holy Spirit, I'll never forget, just started doing it. Okay, you can unload the groceries with me or you can do it without me. An invitation. Remember, we're talking about we're going to do all of life together, right? Remain in me. We're going to be friends. How do I unload the groceries with you, Lord? And so it began. You enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart. So I started trying to force myself to be thankful. And I said, I'm thankful for the shoes that I have on my feet, Lord Jesus. 
I'm thankful for the socks that I have on inside my shoes because they keep my toes warm in the cold. And I'm thankful for these pants. And I'm thankful for the shirt. And I'm thankful for the belt. And I'm thankful. I started going up the list very robotically without sincerity in my heart, but trying to do this with Jesus. And then I started opening the car door. I'm very thankful that I have a car and that I don't have to walk. And I'm very thankful that my husband has a job so he can pay for the car so that we don't have to walk through the snow. And I'm thankful for that I've got these groceries. And I'm thankful that he got a paycheck so that I could get the food. And I, I'm not kidding. I, I was on about my third trip in taking the groceries and I was starting to cry that I was so thankful for all these things that God had given to us. And I was worshiping him out of sincerity in my heart. And that's why I'll never forget this moment. It was learning to do life with Jesus, to remain and to abide. And joy came in like a flood. And when joy came, what came next? Strength and whining and and complaining and grumbling had run far, far away because of this moment of learning to do life with Jesus, not without him. All these are a collection of little things. But church, I want to tell you that sometimes I think it's the little things that are harder for us to endure than the big things. I think sometimes it's the little things that irritate us and get under our skin and get us all grumpy and and we start kind of coming into agreement with this whining and bitterness and anger and we forget. We forget that God's got this whole big thing, Alpha and Omega, holding it together and we think our whole entire world is turned upside down and I don't even know where joy is. Strength's gone and And I can't see anything but myself, my issues. And most often it is little things. I remember when I was learning how to parent with Jesus. And I'm a very expressive person. You, Most of you know me well, know that. A drama teacher, very dramatic. And when I would discipline my children, I would be very dramatic and have my expressions in my face and lots of funny stories about that. But I remember losing my temper lots when the kids were little and being a, a yeller. I said, you get down there. I said, you get that. And really kind of just losing my temper and raising my voice. And when I started this practice of trying to to do it all with Jesus, a very practical thing that started happening. I didn't know what to do with how to stop this practice when I would feel the, you know, parents, right? You know what that feels like. It's, it is volcanic. There's a churning in the deeps and you can feel it's gonna blow. It's coming. But what do you do with all that energy? Where do you do with all that energy when you gotta be bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Where, where, where does the inferno go? And I didn't know, so what I did was I just started practicing um, opera singing instead of yelling at my children. True story. When they would start doing it and I would feel, I'd be like, stop it right now, I said. And, <laughs> and letting it out in this operatic voice because that pressure was coming, it had to go somewhere. But it was funny how... Just this practice of trying to remain in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control would change a situation that was starting to get heated into something that ended up being kind of funny. And we ended up being laughing together. Now, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't flawless. But that was these are some simple practices that started coming when I consciously tried to literally be with Jesus in ordinary, simple moments. How to obey Christ. How to remain in his love how to practice that. Let me tell you, the seven years we were at the Orange Peel, my job at Highland has been the creative arts director. And we do all this band set up, and we had lots of art 
of dramas and dances and the orange peel would only let us have 45 minutes to set up the entire place, rehearse everything, sound check everything and be ready for service. And let me tell you, had I not had just a few years of practicing bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit <laughs> in those moments, there are a thousand Sundays at the Orange Peel where I have memory of everything going wrong and trying and almost feeling like the Holy Spirit was just saying there smiling at me going, you want to do it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control? Or to just lose it over silly stresses. But that is what life is, comprised of little things that want to steal our joy. But this real practice of trying to do it all with Jesus is exactly why, how, exactly how the Lord recently carried me on on our trip to East Asia with the the seeds trip. We'll talk more about that um, next week. But whether it was facing all kinds of ridiculous challenges that I had never known before, How I got there and how I got back was the same way I unloaded the dishwasher. It was, do it with me. Just do it all with me. Every step of this with me. And I will meet you. And he did with incredible strength. Whether it was cement floors at night, sleeping on them and trying to learn how to do that, or or difficult cultural experiences I hadn't endured, or whether it was strange languages or different laws that were very intimidating. All of that stuff just was exactly the same as unloading the dishwasher. I am not kidding. I'm not, I'm not trying to undersell this, guys. I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's the same practice. Do it all with him. Do it all. Big things and little things. He's your friend. Make a conscious practice of doing it with him. And I want to tell you, Jesus didn't get to the cross by accident. It wasn't a circumstantial thing. God planned it. It's called the plan of salvation. He planned to save us. In the same way, we won't accidentally remain with him. We won't accidentally be his friend. We must plan to. You intend on this. You decide this will be my place beside you. All the days. And church, what I want to tell you is that I'm being as honest with you as I can. This is my practice now. Every single day, this is my practice to do all of this with you, Jesus. All of this. And I'm still not there, but I'm doing more of it than I used to. All of this with you, Jesus, not without you. Every decision every circumstance, big or little, to do it with you, to remain in step with you, to be conscious of you, Lord, and and to want to honor you in everything that I do, in every word that comes out my mouth. Only by the power of your Holy Spirit is that even possible, but I do like you better than anything else on earth, so it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just this flesh is so, so weak. His mercy is so great. But I, I live in Matthew uh, 6, 25 through 34. It's a very famous passage, very familiar to, to many of you all. And uh, I'm going to just summarize it so you can uh, kind of catch up with me as I, as I go through this really fast. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in bars, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then go on down. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all the splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then go on down. He says, this is what you are supposed to think about. Seek first my kingdom and all his righteousness and all these things are going to be added to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. And why this verse means so much is because I decided, you know, I'm a missionary. God called me when I was 17 to be a missionary to the United States. And I have been. And I'm almost 47, so almost 30 years, I'm a missionary. Missionaries don't run after, we're not chasing financial security, uh, titles, promotions, things and stuff. And we've, I've set my sail. The thing I'm chasing is the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow worry about itself. How do I practically do that? I literally think about how am I going to seek first the kingdom today? God's kingdom matters more than anything. Well, I know the first thing that I need to protect is my relationship to Jesus. And just because I'm in the ministry and I've given my life to missions, I think many of us who've journeyed together, we know this. That doesn't mean you get a free card. That does not mean that I I no longer have to labor in my relationship with Jesus. Every day, it's a high priority in my life personally. And when I teach uh, pastors' wives across the country, I tell them this. I say, listen, if this ever stops being a story about a girl who loves Jesus, then go home. Stop. If this ever stops being a story about just a girl or a boy who loves Jesus, and I don't know what we're doing. We're playing something, but it's not real. This church is an expression, an outgrowth of an intimate relationship that's real and in here that Jesus sees. And that's my first priority is growing my relationship with Jesus. My next priority is taking care of myself physically. I mean, I do. I pray about when do I sleep and when do I eat and when do I exercise and when do I take care of this body? And it takes work, doesn't it? The older you get, the more work it takes. Oh my goodness gracious. Next thing I think about is my husband and our relationship, my marriage, because our marriage matters so much. It matters so much to God. And I think about our children and our family, and then I think about our mission, and I really do. I live in that order. I try to live in that order. That, to me, is seeking first the kingdom of God, remaining in his purpose, living my life with his purpose in mind. Practically, how do I remain? How do I stay? Now I want to tell you why why I stay. In these years, these 12 years of really trying to practice this, I can tell you this. I have become addicted to peace. I love it. And when I remain and when I stay and when I'm with him, can I tell you, those of you, and you know this too, Prince of Peace. Wow. When Jesus is Lord and I am under his lordship and we are in this together, the peace that comes, it does pass all understanding. It's true. 
and I'm addicted to it. And the one thing I can tell you 12 years into this practice is that I am quicker now at realizing when the peace is gone. And I know it's not that he's moved, it's that I've moved. I'm a little faster at recognizing it. Doesn't mean that I still don't drop the ball. I often do, as I'm going to share with you in a moment. But I'm quicker at recognizing I have become addicted to the peace that comes with that complete joy of remaining in his love and staying in that place of rest with him. I want to share with you a verse that really haunts me. Um, <clears throat> it's Ezekiel 33:12. I think about it a lot. <clears throat> I read it a few years ago, and it really, really pressured my heart, really stro- struck my heart. <clears throat> you going to pull it up there? Can you grab it? If not, I'll, I'll look at it. I got it. Therefore, son of man, say to your people, if someone who is righteous disobeys, the person's former righteousness will, will count for nothing. And if someone who is wicked repents and that person's former wickedness will not bring condemnation, the righteous person who sins will not be allowed to live even though they were formerly righteous. And this is the idea of formerly righteous. This is another way I would say that. I'm, you know, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I've been going to church forever. You know what? I did that once. I, I did that once. I, I, I gave it all up once. I know what that looks like. I was zealous. I poured it all out. Things happened. But I did that once. Wowie. This isn't something you do once. That's not friendship. Oh, we were friends once. Yeah, we used to call every day. It was awesome. We did life together. We did that once. No, we haven't spoken in a long time, but we were once. Isn't that interesting how that can happen? And it's a strong temptation. That isn't remaining in his unfailing love. Jesus said quite the opposite. He gave us the secret in uh, Luke 9, 23 through 27. Great big giant, great big giant words. I love how Jesus did not dull the blade. He did not try and make this soft or easy or palatable. He just said it like it is. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I wish it would say hourly or maybe minutely or secondly because... That's really more real, isn't it? It's not just, you can't do that once. I did that once. I took up my cross one time. I remember. Yeah, it was really kind of hard. But I made it, and it was great. And now I'm on the other side, and I even have a picture of it, and it's hung on the wall. I have a whole scrapbook of the time that I took up my cross. I can tell you all the stories. I did that once. That isn't remaining. That's not staying. That's not pressing in. I used to have a huge fear of not finishing well. I don't know how many of you have read a lot of those stories in the Old Testament, but a lot of those guys that were heroes had great moments just like that. I did that once. But at the end of their life, there was this this moment where they didn't finish well, and it used to really make me afraid. Like, what happened? And it was actually when we were in a worship service at the Orange Peel that the Lord really put that fear to rest in me. And it was a moment when... uh, I forget what was being spoken about. I just remember that I was cut to the heart and I was crying and there was an altar opportunity where people could come up and be ministered to. And I went forward and was crying. I think Shannon was even in the front. And, uh, And I came to him, which is always a funny moment with the two of us because, you know, sometimes I'm coming to tell him he needs to do something or whatever. But this was a moment of going, no, it's, it's me. Pray for me. These words have really cut my heart. And it was in the moment of that prayer that the Lord really spoke to my heart and said, that's how you finish well. It's a thousand altar calls. 
It's a thousand of those. We don't ever, we never, we never arrive. We're never beyond the altar. Oh, I did that once. I know what that, that feels like. No, it's today. It's me and you, Jesus, today. I remain in you. I love you today. I love you in whatever this little ordinary pile of moments has handed me. Let's do them together today. It's a thousand altar calls. Not a, I did that once. That's being a friend with Jesus. Just uh, want to share with you guys very vulnerably in closing. Um, Van, you can go ahead and come on up. On Thursday night, we, Shannon and I were on, with our family, we were on vacation, and uh, I had a really rough moment. Um, <clears throat> sometimes when I go away on vacation, I don't know if you may ever feel this way, I, I get waves of not wanting to pick back up all the responsibility. And I just... I just don't want to. I want to quit. And I wish I didn't go there. I wish I didn't feel that way. God is so faithful. But there are moments when my flesh is so weak. And I had that moment on Thursday nights. So sorry, it's fresh, very raw. And I let the tears out then like I am now. I don't want, I don't want, this is too hard. It's too heavy. I just want to be a wife and a mom. I don't want to be a missionary anymore. And cried my tears and um, went to bed. In the morning, before I could even get my eyes open, a song started pouring through my mind, and I love it when God wakes me up with a song. But it was, uh, Lord, our God is ever faithful. Never changing through the ages. From this darkness you will lead us. And forever we will say, you're the Lord our God. And simultaneous to that song was a scripture. And they were both in my mind at the same time. That's why I knew it was the Lord. It was loud. And it was Acts, and I actually had to hunt to find it because it's not one that um, I had memorized. But it was Acts 20, uh, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I got up and I wrote all the words down and I knew the Lord was strengthening my heart. He was speaking to me and I went for a walk. And uh, I love, we were by the ocean, I love walking by the ocean. And as I was walking, I was just listening to worship music and praying and receiving the strength that God very faithfully as my friend was giving me. And I was about to turn around where I normally do to head back, and I just felt that little inclination, that word, finish, kept coming back, finish. And I looked and I saw there was a great deal more of the beach that I could walk before the pier interrupted it, and I was like, okay, let's just marinate on this. And so I kept walking farther, and as I kept walking, I began to really sense the ministry of the Holy Spirit with the word, finish, finish. 
I consider my life worth nothing to me, that I may finish the race. I made it, walked as far as I could, and um, had a little Ebenezer moment, took a picture of it, not knowing I was going to share this with all of you guys today, but um, really felt compelled to after I took the picture. And I just took my finger and wrote in the sand a simple word, finish, seven eleven fourteen. So, I'm just standing before you saying, I'm just a girl who loves Jesus, just like you are a person who loves Jesus and is wanting to do this with him, not without him. And it's hard, and our flesh is weak, and some days we want to quit, and I have them. But I consider my life worth nothing to me but that I may finish the race because he's the promise maker, promise keeper. He'll see it through to the end. Philippians 1.6, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it to completion. All I I need to do is is just show up, right? Just show up. Just stay. I brought this uh, tree out for you guys to all see. It used to be on the back of the stage, but I wanted to tell you a story as we head into worship. I've been asking Jesus a lot. I pray for this church a lot. And uh, he showed me a real beautiful illustration that I've been praying for Highland lately. And today I really wanted those of you who are here to know what that tree means. That uh, in all the changing of life, I, I've mourned a bit in this last couple years. And I've, I've prayed, Lord, um, what, what are we? What are men? And he said, oh, p- people, we're, we're flowers. And that comes out of uh, Isaiah, says that the, gra- the men are grass and their glory is like flowers. And the flowers fade, they go away, and they vanish. We're just temporary, we're just for a moment. And I was like, that's true. I feel the vanishness even in me, and I see it all around me. And Lord, it makes me sad sometimes, and... As I was meditating and thinking and praying on it, he began to show me all through the scriptures these beautiful passages that were different than flowers, where he called men something else. In Psalms 1-3, he says that uh, a, man is like, a person is like a tree planted by a stream which yields its fruit in season. Matthew 12-33 talks about people being recognized by their fruit Psalms 92, 12 through 14 is a very powerful passage. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. In Revelations 3, 12, um, these people are called pillars in the house of God. Something that stays and is deeply rooted and remains is very different than a flower that vanishes. And I just believe and speak in faith that Highland, Highland Christian Church, I believe despite the difficult terrain, we're called to be an oak tree in this city. Wowie. We're called to put down deep roots and reach up wide branches. We're called to remain and to stay. And that is a journey, but I believe it's the call that is on this church, and God raised us up into it. God raised me up into it, and uh, 
several months ago, I don't know if you can see my little doodles. Oh, there you can see a little bit. Uh, several months ago, I had a sick day, and I do a lot of coloring to entertain myself, and I'm terrible visual artist, terrible, but I just have grace on myself. And I all day I was praying for this church, and I drew this tree, and I was finding all these scriptures that I just shared with you and praying, and then I saw very clearly this this for this variation in the sky behind the tree and that this was a tree that bore that was remaining during all the seasons all the transition all the changing and i've just kept it and didn't say much about it just prayed over it and then just probably two or three months later alisa petrie our our elevate art teacher emailed me she goes i just can't i think we ought to do this painting for the elevate finale and i just can't stop seeing this tree that has the four seasons behind it and it's remaining. Of course, I about fell off the couch because I was like, that's prophetic. <laughs> that's exactly what I've been praying for this church. And so um, Danny Penniston somewhere here designed that and the art students painted it. And it's a single tree bearing its fruit and its impact in all four seasons. And that is a picture of us. And we can't do that without John 15, right? We can't do that without his love. But that's our call to remain and to stay. And it may take altering our life to do that. But I just want to tell you, I don't know what, I mean, we're going to be around here anyway. We might as well do it with Jesus, right? Like, that seems like a better option. And so as we head into this time of worship, what I want to call you to, what I want to challenge you to is the, the, the opening words of this song that Nate and Sadie are about to lead. I just love it. It's such a, it's an invitation from your friend. I mean, literally is putting his hand out saying, let's do this together. All of this. And I don't care what season you're in. This isn't about a, I did that once, right? This is for all of us, young and old, children, mature Christians, all of us. We say it again. We say it again. We're in. We're in today, Lord. We're in. We're in. I want to do this with you. And if you want to and need to, sometimes have a physical expression, I put a table over there with the big alter your life buckets. We've been setting them out occasionally this year. If there's moments where we're saying, is it time to alter our life? Does Jesus need more space in this story so that you can do it with him? You can write something down and put it in there if you need to, or just go and see what, look a little closer at what that tree is and the calling and the prayer Lord Jesus, I want to remain and stay. I don't want to be a vanishing, fading flower. I don't want it to be that I did that once. I want to walk with you all my days. I want to remain in your love. Well, Jesus, I spilled out all those words, and I just pray that you will take them and are taking them as your Holy Spirit leads and just guiding them to hearts as as you need to, as you see fit, Lord. And I just pray that you'll get yeses and amens rising up from spirits and hearts. And I pray that you will allow and strengthen and help Highland to be um, just filled with oak trees of righteousness. And Lord, I know we're weak. You know we're weak far better than we do. But I praise you for your work, your mercy that says, come just as you are. Come, bring me all that. Let's just do it all together. And I pray for your church to give you the yes, the yes and the amen. Hear us now, Lord, as we sing.